Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Sensory Approach to Manual Therapy uh, podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well today. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys today about a really unique concept um, as it relates to manual therapy, which is ASMR. It stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about ASMR, but really what I'm interested in is an idea that I um, was able to discuss with Dr. Piorio at the University of Essex about um, the potential use of ASMR triggers in therapy to help reduce pain or to help create an environment where treatment can be more effective. Um, there's a few key com- things here, and the first is, is that ASMR research is quite brand new. It hasn't been around a very long time. And so anything we talk about today is it, there's some information that has been based off of research, and then the rest of it is really based off of hypothesis and theories that uh, people want to look at, they want to discuss, and they want to um, and, and investigate, but we just don't have the research there yet. So some of the stuff I talked today about will be hypothetical, and um, the, the positive with ASMR is that there are very few negative side effects to um, possibly trying to integrate it into manual therapy. So it's one of the benefits. So the first thing is just looking at what ASMR is, if you don't know. Again, it's Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, and sometimes known as Autosensory Meridian Response. And it's a tingling sensation that typically begins at the scalp, moves down the back of the neck, and the upper spine. Um, this is similar to chills. If anybody has done something as a kid like crisscross applesauce, or if you get what's known as aesthetic chills or frisson, um, that is also a version of ASMR. However, it is not an ASMR reaction. Um, one of the things that Dr. Purio discussed with me was that the level of the response and the intensity of the response is actually part of what distinguishes it from an ASMR response versus um, aesthetic chills or free song or just a feel-good sensation. And one of the key components is when we get this ASMR trigger, uh, it is blissful and trance-like. Um, one of the reasons I got interested in this was that I get this. Um, I often will get an ASMR trigger, um, specifically around things like lice checks, uh, like scalp massage um, or back scratches. And uh, it actually got me interested because the reaction that I received to this type of stimulus was so intense that I often found it would reduce my back pain. Obviously, it would help reduce anxiety and stress, but it would even help reduce some of my physiological nociceptive pain. And so I started wondering, is this aesthetic chills or ASMR feeling something that could be used in a therapeutic environment? Um, so. Not everybody gets it. That's another key component. I believe it's only about 20% of the population will have triggers that trigger an ASMR response. Um, Other people might get aesthetic chills, which is very common. Let's say if you listen to a very um, unique piece of music, sometimes people will get it if they listen to, like I was listening to music the other day and a choir came on. Um, and, or I've done it when I listened to Ode to Joy and I will get chills, but that response, or if you touch like peach fuzz or kiwis, things like that, those chills that you get are not considered ASMR 
uh, intense enough. They're simply considered true sonar aesthetic chills. Um, the ASMR response really does have this blissed out component to it. One of the interesting things though about ASMR um, and aesthetic chills is an idea that Dr. Piorio and I discussed, which is this idea that it's possibly a spectrum of responses and ASMR would be the most extreme feel-good response. And just below that, we would have frisson or aesthetic chills as a response. And then below that, you would have just, oh, that feels good. Um, and then you'd have possibly on the other end of the spectrum um, to the same stimulus, a negative response where it doesn't feel good and it's irritating or a response that, actually, that is actually stress-inducing. And an example of this would also be a back scratch. Um, I happen to have a reaction with a back scratch that really blisses me out and that I enjoy. Other people say it feels good. Some people say it feels bad and they don't like it. And some people actually get stressed by the idea, by the idea or even the sensation of a back scratch. So there's a possibility that there's a spectrum of responses to the stimulus and that these spectrums can both be positive and negative. The reason this also becomes interesting to me as a possible spectrum is because as manual therapists, we are uniquely situated and suited to trigger either chills, ASMR, um, a feel-good sensation, or induce anxiety or uncomfortable sensations. And the reason for this is a lot of the prerequisites that are set up around creating ASMR triggers. Um, so I want to go over some of those um, prerequisites, and you might notice that a few of them seem familiar to you as a manual therapist. Um, the first one that I think is really relevant is personal attention. An ASMR trigger is usually something that is uh, happening when the individual receiving the ASMR trigger is given personal attention or feels like attention is given to them personally. It's one of the reasons why in a lot of YouTube videos, you'll see that um, the point of view of the camera and of the ASMR is, uh, which is the person performing the ASMR in the YouTube videos, one of the reasons the point of view is very personalized. So like somebody may be touching the camera or they'll be whispering to the camera, or if they're applying, um, if they're folding sheets and things like this, um, it'll, it'll be towards the camera as though the person watching the computer is actually experiencing what is occurring in the video. And that sense of personalized attention can really create an environment where uh, an ASMR chill, uh, response is triggered, or even those aesthetic chills are triggered. And I think that personalized attention is something that's very common in manual therapy. Somebody's, you know, they're coming into your clinic or your office and they're receiving 100% of your attention. And there's, there's a level of personalized focus that is quite relevant to creating an environment where these triggers can be um, stimulated. Another aspect of it is uh, quiet and repetitive. Now, this doesn't necessarily play in as equally with the quiet because not all offices for manual therapy are quiet. For example, I've you know, worked in phys physical therapist clubs, um, or um, clinics, I've worked in gyms, things like that. My, my office, yeah, I use a lot of music and a lot of communication, it's not very quiet. However, repetitive actions is something that's very common for an ASMR or aesthetic chills response. And repetitive actions are very common for massage therapists. 
um, very, very common. So that's something that's really interesting as well. Uh, soft voices and whispers. Again, I don't do that all the time, but most massage therapy does have uh, this aspect of this hypnotic tone or this monotone behavior. Um, sometimes even whispering and things like that, that can really trigger uh, type of chills or aesthetic response or, or sorry, aesthetic chills response or an ASMR response. But some of the more interesting psychological aspects um, that are not necessarily as commonly known um, I want to talk about. And these, I actually think, are the ones that give the biggest um, potential for ASMR triggers and uh, aesthetic chills. The first one, I think, is very important. And it's, it's a psychological term that Dr. Piorio mentioned to me as a prerequisite for an ASMR response or even these free song response, if it is a spectrum. And that is intimacy without vulnerability. And this is very relevant to most manual therapists because most manual therapists are in a position where they are uh, in power, you know, in a legal environment. If a therapist is being sued or in court, the therapist, massage therapist is considered in the position of power. However, um, when it comes to what the client is doing, we consistently we try, try to create an environment where the client feels like they are the ones in the position of power. First of all, they're paying to see us. They're coming to us privately. Secondly, uh, we'll often ask things like, oh, is the lighting good? Is the music too loud? Is the pressure okay? Is this where you're hurting? Where are you hurting? Is the table warm enough? Are you warm enough? And all of these questions are giving the client and the patient the sensation that they are in a position of power, which is good and appropriate and necessary. And it also helps create an environment where the client or the patient doesn't feel vulnerable. However, they feel very intimate with the therapist. And a lot of therapists have stories of clients on their table telling them very intimate details about their life because they feel a connection with their therapist that they don't necessarily get in other areas of their life. And there, there are many reasons for that. We can look at things like people are nude or semi-nude, under sheets, draped, but being touched by someone and very few individuals in their life will allow themselves to be touched when they're nude or semi-nude, even if they are draped um, in that type of context. So it creates a level of trust and intimacy that's very high very quickly, which could make them feel vulnerable. But because the questions we ask make them feel like they're in power, they have this sensation of being very intimate with someone, but not vulnerable. And this is one of those prerequisites for being able to create this aesthetic chill, feel good sensation, ASMR response that is really important. So manual therapy is set up environmentally to create this um, possible feel good response in the body. Another one is a depersonalized experience. This was another one that Dr. Piorio mentioned to me. Um, Essentially what it is is that when they come in to see the therapist, they get to know your name and stuff like that, but they don't really want to know about you. They want to be given the attention. And then what they end up focusing on primarily during the visits are your hands and your words. And so they compartmentalize the therapist and depersonalize them as just purely hands and a voice. And it creates a sensation where only the hands and the voice are present to them. And this really sets up, again, the environment for this, um, this ASMR or aesthetic chills free song response. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that ASMR or free songs are going to be the thing that help relieve chronic pain. But it does mean that we as touch therapists are setting are set up naturally in our, in our environment and in our industry 
to be predisposed to have these triggers be set off. And the positive there is that there are research studies that have been shown that ASMR and aesthetic chills um, can increase dopamine, they can increase oxytocin, and they can decrease heart rate. So as massage therapists, um, we might be creating a dopamine and oxytocin heart rate change purely from just having them in our clinic and speaking to them and touching them the way we do. It may have nothing to do with whether you do craniosacral, ashiatsu, myofascial release, trigger point therapy, sport. It may have nothing to do with the actual modality or technique you do. It may have purely to do with the environment and the fact that they are receiving that attention. And that's a really interesting component because it really it really should change people's mentality from this deeper pressure, more aggressive touch to just being present to your client in a room where they feel safe and intimate will already be enough to help with their, uh, with their discomfort and stress and anxiety. So it really sets up, up the environment um, for this response. Another important um, aspect of it that I think is interesting is there's a conscious state that has to be present for most of these ASMR aesthetic chills responses. Now, patients and clients will often fall asleep on tables, but they begin in the conscious state. And before they fall asleep, that trigger uh, might help, again, decrease that anxiety and with that uptake in dopamine and oxytocin and then allow them to fall unconscious. But they begin in that conscious state. Um, the other thing that's really interesting with it is there's a very large component to ASMR and aesthetic chills where the number one trigger is touch and it's light touch. So there's a tactile stimulus is the number one trigger for this type of aesthetic chills feel good response. The second is auditory and the third is visual. And an interesting component that Dr. Uh, Dr. I believe it was Roy talks about um, from I believe the University of West Virginia, it might've been the University of Winnipeg, I can't remember, um, is that this echoes the pediatric development in that in utero, uh, touch is the first sense that's really developed by the embryo and then auditory. And then when we come out, we, when we're born, we have a visual component to it as well. And so the touch auditory and visual is reflected in our ASMR and aesthetic chill responses and our feel good responses where touch is the primary factor. But again, it is triggered by a light touch. So this, um, the first touch we're making with our clients, you know, one of the things we talk about in the sensory approach to annual therapy so much and so frequently is that first introductory touch to the client is at three grams of pressure, a confident but a light touch um, to really introduce your hand to them and really introduce contact with the skin and how that light touch sets up the treatment. It doesn't mean we won't go deeper later but it means we don't start with the aggressive touch and we don't start with the deep stuff. Um, we always go for less is more. And the science is backing that up more and more, not only when it comes to some of the other stuff we talked in the podcasts around skin and fascia and things like that, but now here as well with it, when looking at the psychological components of what light touch to the, does to the body, we're again going to this less is more, lighter touch, lighter voice, less speed, repetitive behavior, um, all of these things that clients are looking for that we would get from traditional massages are beginning to help us understand how the anxiety is being changed. Um, so I just wanted to talk about that. I, I think it's a very interesting subject. I think there's room for a lot of interesting research in this, and uh, I'm hoping to actually put together a research paper um, 
that uh, when I do, I'll probably reach out on my Instagram to two people about this. If you're interested in learning more about ASMR, you can go to my Instagram and look at the last video I did. Um, I'm also going to be putting together um, an addition to the online class for those who have already paid for it and taken it. Um, it's not up yet, but I'm going to be doing that in the next couple months and putting up an addition um, to the uh, to the online class about ASMR and manual therapy and the possible connections between everything. Um, if you're interested in taking that class, uh, it is at www.sensoryapproach.com and you can sign up and take the e-course. And uh, you can take the class right now. There's nothing about it on ASMR, but there's tons of other stuff. All the other stuff on the podcast that we've talked about, the other podcasts is already there and this will be updated. And when it is updated, you will have access to it. It's lifelong access to the class. And I will send a newsletter to you letting you know that it's been updated and there's new material on the class. Thanks everybody for listening today. I can't wait to see you guys in the next Instagram uh, and uh, Instagram Q&A. And I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks again for subscribing to my podcast. Bye. There's a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all.